stress? Is that the abundant life? You know, as Jesus described the life following him, he uses words like rest. I love that. He uses words like peace. He uses words like joy, purpose, hope. Those are all the aspects of, of a Christian life sold out following Jesus. But what is one of the main areas that can get in and prevent us from experiencing that life? It's finances. Do you know that in, in Scripture, one, I, I believe it's in, in the New Testament or in the, all of Scripture, one out of every 10 verses handles money and possessions. One out of every 10. The parables that Jesus taught, about half of his parables were on money and possessions. God who designed this life, God who created money, is the God who knew we would need a lot of information on how to handle money and finances because it is central to our Christian lives. It is central to us flourishing and experiencing the abundant life God has for us. We are... Uh, let me quote to you Matthew 11. We have this on the screen. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is, is light. That's just one verse that kind of describes this life. We're in our series, From 2 Through 4, and last week Paul did a great job starting off with, with the from, and he talked about those all being prepositions, and that's a big word. Um, but last week we looked at provision. You know, if we are going to experience this abundant life, one of the key areas is that we change the way we think about money and stuff. It's, mainly it's a perspective thing that leads to action, but a perspective. And we, we began last week with Paul talking about from, meaning everything that we have is from the Lord. That God who is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, is the owner of all things. This week we're looking at two. Some of what is God's, he has entrusted to his people. Next week we're going to look at through. That God has given some of what belongs to him to his people so that through them they can be a light to the world. And that was the last week. It's going to be four why all of this for the good of the world? We talk about that here at Common Ground. Why is the church still on earth? Well, it's not for us. We're primarily still here on earth for those who don't know God yet, those who haven't met Jesus, that we can bring them into this abundant life. So we're going through this series, and it's kind of, you know, talking about stewardship and finances. It's one of those things where I have a big burden on my heart. When we started Common Ground a few years ago, I really had two big burdens on my heart. One was for the expansion of the kingdom. You know, my heart just was, was burned. Callie and I's heart was burdened for the lost. That, that there, there could be a place and a group of people that are going to seek the lost, like Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost, and then bring them into this abundant life. My heart beat for that. But then the other burden I had was for God's people. Because it seems like so few of God's people actually experience that abundant life. And so my heart was beating for God's people to experience his life and also for others to then come in and enjoy that life. And that's my prayer for this series. Because if we have a right perspective on money and finances and stuff and how God fuels his mission, if we have a right perspective, it will give you more peace, more joy in life, and it will make us as a body more useful to God. We're going to 
Today, we're going to be in the, in the book of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew 25, but then we're going to jump from there. And we're going to look at several principles of stewardship. And stewardship is the idea that we are stewarding what belongs to God. This week and next week is really mostly about you. The last week we'll talk about the mission, but we're going to talk about you. Are you experiencing the life God has for you? And if you're a note taker, this is the first note, is that God is the owner of everything on earth. God is the owner of everything on earth. This was Paul last week talking about provision, that God has provided everything. 1 Corinthians 10.26, this is a quote of some Old Testament passages, and this sums it up, says, For the earth is the Lord's, and all it contains. Everything belongs to the Lord. Let me pray as we move into this week. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you came to give us life and give us life abundantly. I'm so grateful for the joy that comes from life with you, uh, the peace that comes from life with you. God, the hope we have, regardless of circumstances, that what you have said is going to happen. Jesus, you, you gave your life to give us life. And we know that someday you're going to return. And when you return, you're going to set up your new kingdom and it's going to be perfect. And we can't wait till that day. But until then, we want to be about your business. We want to be growing in you. We want to increase our, our joy, increase our love, and increase our effectiveness for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to begin. Pardon me. I need to steal from under your uh, chair here. So when I was, uh, when I was just out of college, I, I moved to a place where I lived near my sister and her husband. Uh, we were in the same kind of cul-de-sac. And so I was at their house a lot because I was single and she could cook. Um, <laughs> tiramisu was my favorite. But don't breathe in when you eat tiramisu because the cinnamon goes in your throat and you cough. Always gave me away. Anyway, I would go to their house and eventually they started looking around their house realizing my stuff was everywhere. And so they made a box called Derek's Stuff and they just put it in their entryway. And every time I came over, they're like, check your box on your way out. And there was things in there like shoes and shirts. My sister's like, do you come here and strip and leave? I, you know, how, did you go home barefoot? Anyway, there was this box of Derek's stuff. Well, think of it this way. Here's a box of God's stuff. This is kind of what that box looked like that my sister had. But, but here is God's box. You know, what is inside God's box? Going back to last week. Everything. Everything is in God's box. Think about that. God's stuff. What is God's stuff? Obviously the earth because he created it. All the planets, the, the universe, which we haven't seen the end of it, that all goes in God's stuff box. What about you and I? Those of us who are God's people, everybody belongs to God, but those of us especially who are Christians, it says in, in, in uh, Romans, glorify God with your body because you have been purchased with a price. You are not your own. So we belong to God, not in a slave type of way, but kind of a joyful servitude to him. So we belong to him. So we are in this box. Do you have children? They're in the box. You know, the Old Testament, the Psalms are full of Psalms talking about God owning the cattle on a thousand hills and just everything belonging to God. So that's our first real perspective, that everything is God's. But you might ask, well, some of this stuff has got to be mine, right? We have this idea. We work hard. 
I've earned what I have. Most of it, or at least some of it is mine. Here's Acts 17, 24 to 25. It's going to be on the screen here. It says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So, so going back to that idea, you know, God's box, well, you, some of the stuff must be mine, right? Well, who gave you the ability to work? God, he gives the breath. What gives you the breath to get up in the day? You have skills and abilities that are unique to you that you can use for your own benefit. But even those gifts and abilities are gifts of God. So God owns everything. Everything in the box is his, including your time, your talents, your treasure. Now within God's box, here's my box. You know, my stuff. So put your name on this. Your stuff is in this box. And what's in here? You know, what's in your box? Your, your money, your cars, your, your houses, your children, your talents and ability, your time. By the way, you have 24 hours a day. That's it. Seven days a week. You have a limited amount of time. That is a resource. So everything that is yours is in this box, but this box is still within this box. So everything belongs to God, but some, and this is this week, some of what belongs to God, he has entrusted to you and to me, some. So it's all his, it's all from God. God provides everything, but some of what belongs to God, he has entrusted to me. That's this week, to, he's entrusted to you and to me. Look at Matthew 25. This is one of the best uh, parables teaching this concept of stewardship. We're going to be in chapter 25, verse 14. Now here he's talking about the kingdom. If you go back earlier in the chapter, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And so we pick it up and he says, for it, meaning the kingdom, for the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability, then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Now, kids, if you're in here and you're, you're thinking this is talking about like talents and abilities, this is actually talking about money. So this is money that he's leaving with his servants and he's going to go on a trip. He's going to go out of town. Let's pick that up. Uh, verse 17. So also, oh, I'm skipping forward. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and he hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. 
I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my returning, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the man who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here's this beautiful parable that's really laid out very clear. This is not one of those hard to understand parables. Some of those, this one is very, very clear. And look at verse 14. What does he say? For the kingdom, which right now is right now and forever. When, when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, that is right now. It's not just heaven, but it extends into eternity. So the kingdom is going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. That's it right there. The master has entrusted some of what is his to his servants, and then he left. The picture of this whole parable is Jesus' first coming and his second coming, that he's coming back. He's the master. When he left, he sent the Holy Spirit who gave spiritual gifts, but he also gives material blessings to his people. And so in this story, he gives these things to his servants and he goes on a trip and he comes back to uh, take into account what they've done. Well, Jesus is coming back. We know, we believe scripture. God is coming back. Jesus is coming back when we least expect it. And when he does, he will judge the earth. And we will be judged, right or wrong, based on his death on the cross, not by our actions for heaven and hell. But then we will look at, he will look at us and go, how did you do with what I gave you? Time, talents, and treasure. And there will be rewards for that. Rewards for our good stewardship, for our faithfulness. So you look here, as you go through the rest of the story, it lays out very clearly that, that the owner still owns it. He entrusts it to his servants, but he still owns it. God has entrusted to each of us some of what belongs to him. God has entrusted to each of us some of what belongs to him. And so how were these two faithful? Two were faithful, one was not. The two were faithful because they took what God had given them and they leveraged them to grow it. They used it, they grew it. When the master came back, they gave back to him what was his. So these stewards, they never thought of it as their own, but they grew it. It took effort. The lazy one did nothing. He just put it in a hole. And how many of us are kind of like that? We take our, our, our time, our talents, our treasure that God has blessed us with, and we just kind of hoard it or we hide it. And I worry that, that when Jesus returns, there will be, I have so many more things for you to do, some more things I wanted to do through you. But we couldn't. And those who are faithful with little will receive much. I remember years ago talking to a, a Christian man and, and we were talking about this topic. He was a friend and, and he said, I just, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to give. I said, well, right now with what you make, you can't afford to give, but you can afford a new motorcycle 
and a new car. You have all these things, but you can't afford to give. And I told him, you're never going to be able to afford to give. You, you view all your stuff as yours and you deserve these things. And there's a mental block spiritually in that. Not that God needs our money or any of that, but this mental block of I, I need all that I have. And I said, you're never going to be able to afford to give because it's all about you. Here's this concept of stewardship. This is in your notes. Stewardship is caring for that which belongs to the Lord in a way that pleases him. Caring for that which belongs to the Lord in a way that pleases him. So the question then switches. We're talking about perspective. The question is no longer, how much should I give to God? Whether that be your time, your talents, your treasure. You know, we're not just talking about money. But, but how much should I give to God? This changes. How much of what is already God's should I give back to him? So really, how much of what is God's should I use for myself? That's the real question. Randy Alcorn has written several books. Uh, the Treasure Principle is a nice short one. I, I tried to order a bunch for us, and I accidentally got the Bible study. Anyway, look it up. It's great. I, I'm going to try and have some for us in the next few weeks. But he says this, stewardship isn't a subcategory of the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. For what is stewardship but that God has entrusted to us life, time, talents, money, possessions, family, and his grace. In each case, he evaluates how we regard and what we do with what he's entrusted to us. I like this quote because he says, stewardship isn't a subcategory of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. So often we think about money and finances as this separate thing. You know, we have, we have church, we have family, and we have finances. Rather than really Jesus is Lord of all, and under that is we are stewarding all of this our time, our talents, our abilities, even the passions God has given us, that this is the Christian life. And this is why I've been so excited to talk about this. Because as I've counseled with people and met with people, Christians, this is, this is our biggest stumbling block. We grow spiritually, we start to experience Him, and then we get to this topic and we do this. And we wonder, you know, we want more of God's joy. We want more of his grace. I want greater faith. And then it comes to the money. You're like, well, don't talk to me about that, though. That, you know, that's, that's my zone. And we hit our heads on this glass ceiling of spiritual growth. And often it's this one issue of stewardship. So looking at that Matthew parable, I want to get some practical principles of stewardship. And we're going to look in Proverbs in different places. They'll be on screen. But here's the first practical principle on stewardship. One, stewardship is about trusting God. Stewardship is about trusting God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you don't have this one memorized, I recommend it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with a piece of your heart, parts of your life. No, he says, all your heart. We can trust him with everything. This is what's so exciting about being a Jesus follower. Jesus says, I bought you with my blood. You belong to me. I've adopted you into my family. And now that's it. Basically, you can trust me with everything. Follow me. I've got great things for you. Just trust me. Stewardship is about trusting God in everything. 
in all our ways, asking what he would have us do, seeking scripture, getting wise counsel. What would you have us do? Every little part. And why are we free? I mean, why so much freedom comes from this idea of stewardship. Why? It goes back to last week because we know God provides it all. I mean, just read through scripture. Remember when the Jews came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness for 40 years? Here's a question as you think about that. How, how long do your shoes last? When your shoes, when you wear them every day, you, like me, you only have two pairs and you just wear them over and over and over. How long do they last? Maybe a year? These Israelites, with whatever kind of sandals they had, lasted 40 years. God had the ability to just go, you know what? Your clothes aren't going to wear out. And they were living in the de desert, in the wilderness. Your shoes, God has that ability. There was a woman who was on her, you know, her last little thing of flour and, and thing of oil. And one of God's prophets came along and said, you know what? Why don't you get every dish you can find? Every dish you can find. And they went and you know, gathered dishes and gathered dishes and then took that one jar of oil and started pouring it. it, it and it kept, it kept pouring. And she filled up all of what she had gathered. I mean, God has the ability to provide. When we get that, we are so free to just obey. Oh, so much freedom is there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. When we, uh, when we started Common Ground three, four years ago, three and a half years ago, Callie and I just knew God had laid it on our hearts. I mean, this is what he told us to do. He said, plant Common Ground, plant this church. I quit the job that I had, have no clue how I was going to make money. You know, we had a good job. We quit it and walked away to pursue what God had for us. That took trust. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but here's my proof. We walked away going, we're going to obey God. How are you going to provide? And he's like, I haven't told you that part yet. I've just told you to do this. Okay, so we follow. Within a week, I had two phone calls to do masonry jobs. And I hadn't done masonry in five years, maybe more. But I still, my license was still active, so I could still do it. But I hadn't advertised. I, and somebody calls and says, I need somebody to do stonework. I said, how did you get my number? I said, the yellow pages. <laughs> did you find that in the bottom, of, you know, dust it off? But in just two jobs, I was able to provide for our family for months. I mean, God just, you obey, you follow, bloop, here you go. And I could tell you more stories, story after story of just God providing. So that's the first one. Here's the second thing. Stewardship is about honoring God. Stewardship is about honoring God. Moving on in that same passage of Proverbs, which we so often quote, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It leads then two verses later to Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Stewardship is about honoring God. That word honor means to be heavy. It, you know, honor, meaning if you honor somebody, that person is a big, big deal. They are heavy in your life. And that's what God is to be to us. Of course, he is God of all. He is our, our savior. He deserves our honor. That we, we believe he has the value that he has. The way we steward what he's given us actually shows what we really think about God. You can say you love God. You can say you trust God. But then if you hold all your stuff like this, there's a disconnect. 
through my stewardship, I demonstrate the worth and value I put on God by what I do with what he has entrusted to me. Let me say that again. Through my stewardship, I demonstrate the worth and value I put on God by what I do with what he has entrusted to me. So with that in mind, imagine you came over, imagine, you know, we're good friends and you trusted me. You said, you know what, let's, will you help me? Will you look at my budget, my finances, my books? And we get together and, and you put your stuff on the table and we started looking at it together. Would what we look at communicate that you value God and his kingdom? Is that what it would, would that show me, would we look at that and go, wow, you really love the Lord? Is that what it would say or would it say something else? And this is a great conversation for you to have if you're married with, with one another. If you're not married with somebody else, some other wise counselor, let's look, at, let's look at this topic. I mean, this is one of the greatest things I love being part of a body is people call me or I hear people call somebody else and say, hey, can we get together and go over my budget? I mean, somebody trusting someone else with that kind of information to go, I really want to glorify God. Let's look through this and it's life-changing. So here's a, another question you might be thinking. As we look at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it says, honor the Lord from your wealth. So maybe you're there going, yeah, amen, all those wealthy people. <laughs> maybe you're thinking, that's not you, because you only make 25000 a year or whatever that might be. That's not me. That's all those other people. Well, here's the thing about wealth. This, this idea of wealth biblically isn't necessarily riches, but everything you've been entrusted with. That's called your wealth. Even if you have one penny, that's your wealth. But also, wealth is relative. There's a, a website, you can pop up this first one, called globalrichlist.com, and you can type in how much you make a year, and it compares you with the rest of the world. Look at this. This is for $25,000 a year. If you make $25,000 a year, you are in the top 2% of the 7 billion people on earth. Think about that. 7 billion people on earth, you're in the top 2%. I like that little stat on the site. It makes you the 120 millionth, 215,000th, 207th richest person on earth. <laughs> if you make 25,000 a year. Now, Carson City average is 50,000 a year. Let's look at that one. If you make 50,000 a year, you are in the top 0.31% of the 7 billion people on earth. That's a household income. You're in the top 3.31%. So only you are the 18 millionth, 652nd, 583rd richest person on earth. Does that give us a little perspective? I mean, you go to a third world country and you see how they live and what they eat. This comes home. This is absolutely true. We are the richest society in the history of the world. And we have many Christians here. Many Jesus followers in that, what might God do if he leverages his stuff that he's entrusted to us for his kingdom? Holy mackerel. What might God do? 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. This is for you if you're American. If you're in this room, it says this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. 
leave that up. Notice a few things. Okay, this is us. This is instructions to us who are rich. We are. And it says this. Uh, second, halfway through. But on God, we put our hope on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. I like this verse. Because part of the application of this is everything that belongs to God, he's entrusted some to me and some of what he's entrusted to me is for me to enjoy. So it's okay to eat well, to spend time with the family, to, to go to Disneyland every now and then, maybe not too often. But, but we are given, some of what we're given is to enjoy. That's exciting. We're not called just to, to live in a hut and have nothing and give everything. Some people are called to that and maybe you are. But, but in general, we're given to enjoy and we're told to be generous and ready to share and not storing up treasure here, but storing up treasure for eternity. So real quick, I want to talk about kind of under this idea of honoring God, under this idea of trusting God, here's, here's a couple other very practical ways. And this is at the bottom of your notes. How do we do this? How, how do we honor God with our wealth? Number one, be generous. We're going to talk more about this next week, but be generous. The idea of generosity is, is having your hands open and everything you have is in it. And, and your, your fingers are kind of, and it's just, you're holding it loosely. You're ready for God to say, that person needs it. Or I have this I want to do. I want it to go. That you're, you're quick and easy to give that away. Be generous. Number two, you're going to love this one. Budget to live joyfully. That's right, budget to live joyfully. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. The idea of, of planning, of budgeting, know how much you make, know where it's going to go, and honor God, what did that verse say in Proverbs? With the first. That's a principle of stewardship in Scripture is that we give out of what God has entrusted to us. We give our first and best back to Him. To do that well, we have to budget. Maybe you've tried what, what I tried early on is uh, pay for all my stuff and then grab the money I'm supposed to give to God that I've planned before. Well, most of the time, it's, there's not enough left in there for what I kind of planned. Instead... I get my paycheck and the first check I write goes to God. That's a budget. Then I can live on the rest and it seems to work out. So budget. Have a plan of how you're going to steward God's resources. Here's the third one. Save for the future wisely. Save for the future wisely. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Does that hit any of us in the gut? Fools spend whatever they get. Here in the U.S., Art Rayner says that in the U.S., most would not be able to pay for a financial emergency that costs more than $400. So, do we as Americans budget very well or plan for the future very well? No. And what does Proverbs 21.20 say about that? It says those who spend all they get, so you get your paycheck and all that money comes in, and then it all goes back out, and at the end you're left with maybe a negative, you're in the red. The Bible calls that foolish. I didn't, I'm not saying that. The Bible's saying that. Fools spend whatever they get. We make a plan. 
And then four, give to the Lord generously. Give to the Lord generously. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Give to the Lord generously. There is so much freedom in this concept. So much freedom to live in joy, to live in purpose, to live in hope. John Wesley, who was a traveling evangelist, loved the Lord greatly. John Wesley was once told while he was out on his circuit preaching, somebody came up and said, hey, John, your house burned down. He said, well, I don't own a house. The one I've been living in, God has. And so if it's gone, then I have one less thing to worry about. He had the, the right concept of this house belongs to God and he can do with it what he wants. God chose to burn it down. All right, I'm free to not worry about that anymore. That's stewardship. You know, how do, we, how do we practically start? We're going to talk some about this going forward. But make a plan. You know, again, I, I'm going to tell you next week some of my own convictions of how to start. But create a plan. How much do you plan to give? How much do you plan to save? And then budget on how you live on the rest. That's a big step to take. And if you're in here and you're like, I don't know where to start, in our response time, fill out your Connect card and just write on it stewardship and put it in there. We'll get a hold of you and we'll hook you up with somebody who is financial savvy that lo loves the Lord and can help you walk through that. It's a life-changing thing. So we're going to offer that to you. But here's the last point. Our last point before we wrap up. Stewardship is about receiving from God. The last part of Proverbs 3.10, after it says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, it says, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new, new wine. There's kind of this this cyclical pattern in the Christian life. If we trust God, then we're good stewards and he entrusts us. He provides some more and we're a good steward of what he provides. We trust and it's kind of this circle. God will provide for those who are good stewards of what he's given. Look at just that parable we began with. God gave one five. They were a good steward, so he gave them more to be a good steward. Now, is this the health and wealth gospel? that you should give to God so that you can get rich. That's not it at all. But the heart that's right, that's living for God, God will give those people, you and me, the resources we need to keep doing whatever it is he has asked us to do. So as we wrap up, here's my question. Are you enjoying the abundant life God has for us? Or are you stressed? And if you're stressed, are finances the issue? If so, what is it that needs to adjust? Do you need to change your view of what you own, what belongs to you, that it absolutely belongs to God? Maybe you need to trust God more that he will provide if you faithfully obey whatever he's calling you to do. Jesus has earned for us eternal life through his death and resurrection. All these things are possible in him. If you're not experiencing it, we have, I'm going to be in the back to pray. We're going to have somebody else available in the back to pray. Take a step. Take a step. Whatever the Holy Spirit has laid on you, take a step. We have our prayer walls. I love our prayer walls. It's just chicken wire. You can come up here and, and write down a prayer request and stick it in there and we'll pray for you. Or if you want to just give something to God, maybe you've been convicted. There's this thing. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your money. Your There's this thing that God has shown you today you need to give up. You need to give over. You need to give back to Him. 
write that thing down. We won't, you know, you don't have to put your name on it. This is between you and God. Write down on there and just put it in there symbolically saying, I'm giving this to you, whatever it is. I'm going to trust you with that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you are trustworthy. God, this, this concept of stewardship uh, can be sticky at times, God, because we, we do lack faith at times. We do think we've earned what is ours. But God, it's so exciting to know that you want to do great things. You are doing great things. We can't get in the way of your mission. But by our choices, we can either be included in your mission or, or bypassed. You'll use somebody else. We want to be used by you. And we have been used by you here at Common Ground. It's very exciting. So God, I just pray that, that each of us individually here would respond to you, Holy Spirit. Not because you need anything from us but that we would respond with faith, with trust in you, that as we're learning something new, maybe we need to take some action steps. Show us what that is. God, we want to enjoy you. We want to honor you because you are worth it. You are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.